and it's dun dun dun. Tyrion. Tyrion's knife. No, it is not. <laughs> it is not Tyrion. Nope, 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 nope. I do not believe it. Not for uh, not a second. Welcome to Winterfell and I Can't Get Up, the podcast that asks Mom what she thinks about Game of Thrones. This is Season 1, Episode number 6. It has been 125 pages since the last death. I'm Candace Huber, owner of Tubby and Coo's Mid-City Bookshop in New Orleans, and I've asked my mom, Gail, who has absolutely no knowledge of Game of Thrones, to read the series and record her reactions for all of you. Read along, listen along. And follow my mom's journey through A Song of Ice and Fire, chapter by chapter, as she discovers for the first time just how brutal it can be. When you read Game of Thrones with your mom, you win or you die laughing. In this episode, we cover Ned 3, Bran 3, and Catelyn 4 in A Game of Thrones. And now, Mom's Watch begins. And there's a lot to talk about, so we'll just get straight into Ned 3. So, this chapter was actually pretty intense. Arya has been missing for like four days, and when she's finally found, they just bring her in front of the king without telling Ned, and he's super pissed because they didn't bring her to him first, they just brought her to Robert. So he like storms over to the room where they're talking to Arya, it's overcrowded, there's like a bunch of people in there, and Robert has Arya and Joffrey tell him what happened. He's like, alright, Arya, you tell me, Joffrey, you tell me. He gets two very different stories, of course. Because Joffrey is, of course, going to, like, lie. Right. And I fully expected Joffrey to lie. And then, you don't know if they're going to bring in Sansa. Well, they do. So they Sansa comes in, but she doesn't say anything. She just says, I don't remember what happened. She's kind of feels stuck between Arya and Joffrey. So she says, I don't know. I don't know. She freaks out. I don't remember. And so Robert says, well... What am I supposed to make of all of this? You know, like I'm getting all these different stories. I don't, I don't know. They're just kids. Like this kind of stuff happens with kids. But Cersei is insistent that Arya get punished. And Robert is like, I mean, she's like a nine-year-old kid. What do you want me to do to her? Like drag her through the streets or something? You know, I thought it was really funny because when they were doing that, Renly starts cracking up laughing and like starts cracking jokes and stuff about how he wants to know how Joffrey got this little skinny girl how did he get beat up by his little skinny girl <laughs> yeah. and all of that and that cracked me up you know and so they put him out yeah <laughs> robert is like get out of here get out of here i got enough of you yeah you know? puts him out which i thought was hilarious yeah that was really funny I thought that was great it was and so robert just says you know because cersei says well look at his arm he's gonna have joffrey's gonna have these scars for the rest of his life and blah 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 and robert says yeah well hopefully he learned a lesson and that those scars will be a reminder of the lesson he learned and he just tells ned look you discipline Arya, i'll discipline joffrey we'll each take care of our own kids and we're done and he goes to walk away and then cersei says well what about the dire wolf and Robert is like, oh, I forgot about the wolf. And she's like, that beast attacked Joffrey. It's dangerous, blah, blah, blah. And then Jory, who is the person who led the search party that found Arya, says, we didn't find any trace of the dire wolf. We don't know where the dire wolf is. And Cersei says, well, but we have a wolf here. And I want a wolf skin. And Robert 
just to appease her, is like, okay, fine. Have Ellen Payne kill Sansa's direwolf, because that's the one that's there. And of course, Sansa is like, no, no, not Lady. She would never do anything. Yeah, She's like a nice she one. Like, she would never do anything to anyone. Right. She was very upset. And Ned begs Robert not to do it. He's like, come on, man. Like, this is unnecessary. Please don't. And, and Robert is just like, just kind of looks at him. And then Ned says, fine, if you're going to do this, if you're going to give this order, then you need to have the courage to carry it out and you do it. Right. And Robert just kind of looks at him and then he walks out. And then Ned, you know, Ellen Payne is, comes to do it. And Ned says, no, no, lady is of the North and she deserves better than a butcher. So I'll do it myself. And it's just, it's really sad. I was like almost crying. Because uh, I was yeah. like, the poor puppy. Uh, oh my God. Oh, it thing. didn't do anything And I was anyone. so mad at Cersei. You know, she is such a bitch. <laughs> and I can't stand it. And then like, okay, Robert, I don't know when Cersei removed your balls, you know, <laughs> and she's carrying them around, yeah. but, you know, you need to get them back from her, right? Yeah. Because she's just wanting everything. She's running the show. She's telling you what to do and how to take care of the situation and what she wants out of the deal. And you're the freaking king, dude. Right. You know, like, yeah. and then him and Ned seem to agree, okay, I'll discipline my kid, you discipline yours. And again, you know, then here comes Cersei with all her crap. And then when poor little Sansa realizes, because Cersei says, oh, but we do have a dire wolf. Yeah. And then little Sansa is like, wait. And then she realizes it's her lady dire wolf that they're talking about. I mean, she just has a meltdown, which I don't blame her. And she's like, oh, no, oh, no, not mine, not mine. She doesn't, she didn't do anything. She's sweet and she's kind. And then, like you said, then Ned goes to... And it just warmed my heart, too, when he talked to her before he kills her. He He talks to her and explains and is like, it says that he, like, never paid any mind to the names his kids gave the dire wolf. But then he went and he, like, understood why, like, that lady was a really good name because she was so, like, sweet and proper and, like, nice. I was just like, oh, my God. It's almost like, yeah, please forgive me for what I'm about to do, but I don't really have a choice in you. Yeah. And then he does it. And I was just, like... Oh, like I was so sick to my stomach at that point. I was like, I cannot believe that this woman is so hateful that she forces them to well, kill. It's kind of like you're kind of hoping that Ned will just be like, go, go, yeah, you know, like yeah, let yeah, it go yeah. into the woods or yeah, something. Yeah, but he does. Well, he's he's an honorable man. Yeah, and that's the other thing about Ned. I mean, you can see that he's an honorable person. He's like, okay, we got to do this, and I'm going to do it, and he's man enough to do it. Because Robert is not. Right. He's man enough to do it. And he's honorable in that he carries out what he says he's going to do. So, And what I liked about it, though, is that he says, tells Jory, get four men, bring her to Winterfell, and bury her there. Because Cersei is not going to have this skin. Right. So he could at least do that. And then at the very end, as Ned is kind of finishing all this up, the Hound rides in and mm-hmm. says, oh, hey, I didn't find Arya, but I found her pet. And then Ned is like, oh, shit, it's, it's Nymeria. And it's not. And the you Hound really throws. Think, you think that it's Nymeria. I really thought it was Nymeria. I was like, oh, so now they killed both of their direwolves, right? Yeah. So now poor lady has been killed, and now he's showing up with Nymeria dead right after they off lady. lady. And the deal with that is it's not. When no. he pulls that blanket back 
and they tell you who it is. It is Micah the Butcher's Boy. Oh my god, another point where I wanted to just throw up. And it's obvious, too, that the hound, like, rode him down on a horse. Well, he, like, the kid was running. And the hound was on a horse. And Ned says, it's obvious, like, he's like, you rode him down and struck him from above. Because the way that right, the kid is struck. Kid, and Ned is like, and that's kind of how it ends, is that Ned is like, oh my god, he right. rode this kid down. And then the hound says something like, well, he wasn't that fast. Like, he ran, but he and wasn't that fast yeah. or something. And it's like, oh my god. And I was thinking, what just kind a kid. of an animal chases down a kid yeah. and kills him like that? I mean, what kind of an animal does that? I mean, that is disgusting. I was so upset because I thought that poor little boy didn't do anything. No, All he, didn't. he did was befriend Arya. Um, yeah. And he got chased down like a freaking animal. He did. And killed. I was, I can't even tell you how upsetting that was to me. Yeah. You know, and I thought that poor little boy didn't even do anything. That's horrible. What they did to that kid is horrible. So there goes our streak. We went 131 pages, but then we had two deaths in this chapter. R.I.P. Lady the Direwolf and Micah the Butcher's Boy. Very upsetting deaths, but our streak is done. So on to Bran 3. So this is a really interesting chapter because yes. Bran is dreaming. Pretty much the whole chapter takes place in his head. It's a dream right. that he's having when he's out and, and he dreams that he's falling. And I thought of it as more of an out of body experience. Later like on, it a, becomes that. Okay, so like so, at first he's just dreaming and he's dreaming that he's falling and a crow shows up and tells him to fly. And he says, I can't fly. What are you talking about? And the crow says, well, you're going to die when you hit the ground. So you need to fly. And then Bran sees, like, Jamie's face and hears his voice and he gets scared and starts crying. And the crow is like, forget that. That's not serving you. You don't need that right now. Put that away. And then it starts pecking at him and pecking at him. And he's like, what are you doing? And the crow says, I'm teaching you how to fly. And he's, and Bran is like, I, how is this teaching me how to fly? I'm falling. I'm not flying. And the crow says, every flight begins with a fall, which I really like that because that quote, because it's like, oh yeah, when you, when, whenever you see anyone flying, when you jump off of something, you fall a little bit and then you start flying. And so he says that, and then he tells Bran to look down. And this is when the sort of out of body type experience, yeah, like near death experience, whatever you want to call it, astro projection, whatever you want to call it. I guess (laughs) we don't really know what's going on, but here's I'm going to give a list of things, and then I'm going to kind of tell the rest, and then I want to hear what your theories are. So the list of things that he sees, he sees Winterfell down below him. He sees to the east. His mother, alone in a cabin, looking at a bloodstained knife as rowers pull and Sir Roderick's puking over the side, and a storm is gathering ahead of them that they can't see. Then to the south, he sees the trident and his dad pleading with the king, Sansa crying herself to sleep, and Arya watching in silence and, quote, holding her secrets hard in her heart. And there are shadows around them, and one of them has the face of a hound, one of them is armored gold and beautiful like the sun, and one of them is this huge giant made of stone with a face of, like, darkness and blood. Then across the narrow sea, he sees the free cities, and all the way to Ashai, 
where dragons are stirring. And then finally, he looks north and he sees the wall and Jon Snow, who is sleeping alone and basically forgetting all warmth. He is just going completely cold up there. And Bran keeps looking farther and farther north. He, like, goes all the way past the end of the world into the heart of winter, which is what he says. And then he, like, cries out in fear and he comes back and he's like, whoa. And when this happens, the crow says, now you know why you must live. Because... Winter Winter is coming. (laughs) And Bran is terrified, but he remembers then the conversation that he had with his dad when he went to that beheading, where Bran asked if a man can be brave if he's afraid, and Ned says that's the only time a man can be brave. He remembers this, and then he spreads his arms and flies. We also find out that the crow that's talking to him has three eyes, and its third eye is, like, full of a terrible knowledge. And the crow, at the end, pecks at Bran, and Bran feels this blinding pain in the middle of his forehead between his eyes, and the crow is, like, pecking and pecking, (laughs) and Bran is like, what are you doing? And then that's when he wakes up. Rob bursts into the room because a servant girl has been yelling that Bran is awake, and then the dire wolf is there, licking Bran's face and stuff, and he sees the dire wolf. And then the chapter ends with Bran saying that the dire wolf, I know what his name is, The direwolf's name is Summer. So what do you think all this means? Like, I feel like there's a lot of, it is sort of an astro projection, but there's a a lot of symbolism here too, right? Sure. Lots of symbolism and then lots of, like, spirituality kind of stuff, right? Mm -hmm. Like, uh, metaphysical stuff, right? Yep. And so that's what I thought was really cool. First, well, like I said, it's like an outer body projection kind of thing. But he's, because he's seeing everything that's going on at the same time, right? He's literally getting a bird's eye view. Yeah. Right? Of what's going on. And so that's the first thing, you know, that you realize, oh, he's getting a bird's, he's seeing from above everything that's going on. And then when the crow opens up his third eye, and that's what I was like, this is cool. He's opening up his third eye so now you understand that bran is going to be a seer i'm like oh bran's role in this is he's gonna be the seer he's Mm -hmm. gonna be the one that's all seeing he's gonna be the one that's gonna be able to i don't know predict and see what's coming or I don't know. I'm not real sure. You know, he he knows what's going on. He can see what's going on. And now he's going to know things ahead of time. And again, I kept thinking, oh, yeah, winter is coming, you know. So anyway, I thought this was a really cool chapter. I like that he gave his wolf the name Summer. Well, after he saw that winter is coming. Winter is coming, right? It's like, okay, he needs to be named Summer. And then I also, well, like the crow, you know, that's a very symbolic thing as well. The the crow is giving him, I don't know who the crow, you know, like the crow is like his spirit animal, whatever you want to call yeah. him, you know, like that's his guide, his spirit animal, you know, is helping him to grow and learn. And I just, you know, I'm all about that kind of stuff. So. Yeah. <laughs> I like, I really like that. I really like that his third eye is open. I like that he's going to be a seer. I thought that was a really cool chapter because of all the symbolism, because of all the, you know, things that took place. He does see dragons stirring. Oh, yeah. I I forgot to mention that. (laughs) Yes, that he does see the dragons stirring. So, again, we know they're about to be, they're going to have some dragons awakened, but it's not going to have to do with uh, this or something. (laughs) Anyway, so... Yeah, I just, I really like that chapter. I love Brian anyway. You know, I think he's a very cool little kid. Now yeah. I like him even more. I like when he woke up, like his dire wolf is all up in his face licking him. Can't wait for him to get up. I liked it. So do you think that you know more about like what winter is coming 
means because like they always say that but he goes like past the end of the world into the heart of winter and then he's like gets really scared and is like oh shit and then the crow is like it's why you gotta live because winter is coming do you have any idea what that means not really i'm still you know i'm kind of dumb when it comes to that kind of stuff <laughs> but i guess i just i know that there's war right so there's war coming i get that i get that there's i don't know if it's the others because you know beyond the end of the world is the others right yeah. so i don't know if, the, if they're referring to the others coming or if it's the dothraki and all of them coming but there's war i mean i get that that there's a big upheaval war coming because that somebody's coming after them because they they want that throne and to be um, fair, I think... You know, the even, seven seats, right? It's like seven thrones. It's seven kingdoms. Well, one yeah. throne to rule seven kingdoms. Seven, yeah, so that's what I'm saying. So there's seven of them. So, you know, of course anybody would want that. And so I don't know. Again, is it is it Viserys and his Dothraki folks? Is it the others? Is it just Jamie and, and his, you know, sister and their bullshit? You know, Cersei and Jamie and their stuff? I don't know. But, I mean, that's what it means. You know, that's yeah. coming. And I mean, I, to be fair, we still kind of don't know exactly what it means but i've always just taken it as shit's about to hit the fan yeah, <laughs> you know like yeah. race yourself winter is coming well shit's and obviously has a big part in this and again because i think he's going to be able to see and help in a way that they don't expect the little kid to be able to right exactly so let's move on to the last chapter catlin four so in this chapter, Catelyn and Sir Roderick are getting off the boat at King's Landing, and Roderick says they have to be careful because some people will know who Catelyn is, like, on sight. And then we learn about Littlefinger, who was Catelyn's father's ward, and they grew up together at River Run. And Catelyn thought of him like a brother, but he did not think of her that way. He was, no, like, all in love no. with her as a kid. And that's what I I was laughing when I was thinking about this, because his name is Lord Baelish. Yes. I think is how you say it. That's and right. so it's like, okay, Littlefinger is Lord Baelish. And I'm like, oh, I wonder if he's Catelyn's bae, you know? Oh, <laughs> Catelyn's bae. All right, bae. Baelish. Baelish. All right, Catelyn's bae. Well, but obviously he is not. He she, wishes he was Catelyn's Yeah, I was bae. about to say <laughs> She is his bae, so there's that. <laughs> but he is definitely not her bae. And she kind of tells us, well, she's telling Roderick that back in the day when Littlefinger, and I can't remember his first name, and I can't remember how to say it. It's not Peter, although that's what it looks like. So I just call him Littlefinger. But when they were young, and he found out, Littlefinger found out that Catelyn was going to marry Brandon Stark, he got, like, really upset, and he challenged Brandon Stark for Catelyn's hand, and he was, like, 15 or something mm -hmm. when this was happening, and Brandon was, like, 20, you know, and he was like, are you kidding me? And so Catelyn had to beg Brandon to, like, let him go and to spare his life because Brandon was just going to kill him. And Brandon let him off with a scar because Catelyn begged him not to kill him. And then Catelyn's father sent Littlefinger away. And she hasn't seen him since then. And so we learn that also Littlefinger is currently on the king's small council. And Catelyn says, like, I always knew he was going to, like, rise high or whatever. And so they reach King's Landing and the captain of the ship that they're on recommends this in for them because they're like we don't want to stay in the castle can you recommend a place 
So they go there, and Sir Roderick leaves to go get the Master at Arms, the person that they're going to meet with to, like, talk about the dagger, to try and figure out who it belongs to. And he's like, I'm going, and I'm going to bring him back here to the inn, because no one knows we're here. And in the meantime, Catelyn falls asleep, and then the City Watch shows up at her door and says they're under orders from Littlefinger to escort Catelyn to the castle. And she's like, how could they possibly know? How could he know I was here? That I'm even here. Not only that I'm in the city, but, like, where I am, what inn? I'm staying in and all of this right and so then she's like well the captain of the ship must have told somebody like the cap somebody paid off the captain of the ship or whatever and she is not happy about it and she when she gets there she's like how the hell did you know that I was even here and Littlefinger says oh well Lord Varys knows everything and he has eyes everywhere calls him his little birds so Varys knew that you were here or whatever and then Catelyn is like but why would Varys come to you and tell you that I'm here and Littlefinger's just basically like, because no one else is here. <laughs> like, yeah, the only one. It's the me only and the maester. Yeah, so. That's it. Right? And I absolutely love the description of Varys that they gave. Because it was like, you know, his little shoes, his little outfit, his bald head, and his, you know, whatever. His breast smells like lilac. His, <laughs> that's the thing that they said. <laughs> yeah. I was like, really? Like, this dude? Yeah. He's fancy pants. He is fancy you know? pants. Yeah. So, I just, I loved the description of him, first of all. But then he's also, like, slithery and slimy. Like, you know that he's, like, I don't know. I don't, I didn't like him. Like, you know he's, like, creepy. He's got his little birds, like you said, all over that come back and tell him everything that they think he needs to know, you know. And I just, I don't know. I don't like him. I just feel like he's really he up to, yeah, <laughs> he does. He just creeps me out, you know, and I just, I don't know. I don't like him. Makes my skin crawl. Well, what yeah. about Littlefinger? What do you think of him at this point? I think he's just a kind of a joke, you know, like he, he's like a dupe, like a, I don't know, what do you call him? Like, almost like I feel like the great. I know I'm calling Grey Wolf all the time. The Grey Wolf kid. (laughs) (laughs) Grey Joy or whatever his name is. I kind of feel like he's like that. You know, it's the same kind of a thing. Like, he's just very simple, I think. I think he's just not too smart. And he just seems sort of... I don't know, kind of happy-go-lucky kind of a guy, but he... I just... I do. I just think he's sort of a joke. I don't think anybody really takes him seriously. And that could just be a good act, you know, that he's putting on so that people don't take him very seriously. Well, Catelyn does talk about how he was really manipulative and, as a kid, that... She kind of says he was manipulative and he got his way a lot and he knew how to work people, basically, is what she says. And he's currently the master of coin. And so you kind of know that, like, he's got to know how to do something. If he's the master of coin, he's the one doing all the negotiations and stuff. So, like, he's got to have something going on. But, like, we don't know a lot about him, I guess, at this point either. And he is kind of like a doop-dee-doo, you know, at this point. And he does say, so at this point, Littlefinger says that he knows that Catelyn is there for a reason. And he's like, you know, the Tully words are whatever family duty honor. Mm -hmm. And he's like, and those three things, he's like, I know you very well. And those three things mean that you should be in Winterfell where your husband left you and you're not. And so something happened. Like, there's a reason why you're here. And then this is all told from Catelyn's point of view. And Catelyn's like, oh, shit, he does know me really well. And then that's when Varys walks in. And it's and it is kind of funny, the the description they give, because he's like this little plump perfumed man. And he's like, his breath smells like lilacs and he's a little fancy <laughs> pants. 
And they call him Lord Varys as a courtesy because he's on the king's small council, but he's not really lord of anything. You know, he's lord of, like, secrets. Secrets, you know? (laughs) He's a spider lord of secrets is what he is. And so Varys comes in and Littlefinger's like, I know you're here for a reason. Like, the two of them are kind of like, tell us about what's going on. And Catelyn is like, I can't really trust these. Like, I barely trust Littlefinger, like, maybe a little bit. And I don't trust Varys at all. So she's thinking, I don't trust these two. I don't want to give them any information. And then Varys says, show us the dagger. dagger, And And she's she's like, like, what the hell? Like, you can't possibly know. Like, how do you know this? What the heck do you know? And then she's like, what did you do to Sir Roderick? Because at this point, she thinks they've captured him and they've gotten it out of him or whatever. But Littlefinger is like, who is that? And what is what dagger are you talking about? about and he obviously has no clue what's going on right and that's kind of where it's like yeah he seems like a dupe to do because he's like what what's happening and Varys is like show me the dragger that's how I viewed it he's like you know putting his little fingers together like show me the dragon you know and it's like oh god anyway Varys says well I know that Roderick had a meeting earlier today with Sir Aaron Santagar who is our master at arms here at King's Landing and they talked of a dagger at that meeting. And then they went back to the inn where you're staying and they're waiting for you now. And Roderick is like upset because you weren't there and they're just kind of waiting for you to get back. And then Catelyn is like, how did you know about this meeting or whatever? And he's just like, my birds know everything, you know? And so... <laughs> I love the way you talk. <laughs> it is. It's just, you know, like, I feel like he doesn't have a mustache, but I feel like he would have, like, a huge handlebar mustache that he just, like, twir- twirled the ending yeah. and is like... <laughs> like, that's how I just view him. Anyway, that's not at all how he is on the TV show, but that's mm-hmm. just how I've always viewed Varys. And, he... and I see him as sort of like Humpty Dumpty, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Sitting on his wall with his little hands and his little feet and his little, you know, egghead and like, ooh, let's see. Let's ooh, let's see. That's, that's exactly <laughs> kind of how he is, actually. So anyway, at this point, Catelyn figures, well, he already knows about it. So she pulls out the dagger and she shows them. And she says, well, since you freaking know everything, maybe your little birds will know who this belongs to because that's what I'm trying to figure out. And Littlefinger is yeah. like, wait, he like picks it up and he's like throwing it and doing yeah. all this fancy stuff. And you're like, <laughs> you know, yeah, like, what are you doing? Watch me do it behind my back. Exactly. Does all these tricks. Yeah. And then he's like, like oh. There was only one knife at King's Landing that was like this, and it's mine. And Catelyn is like, how, Ooh, your knife? Yeah, like, he wasn't at Winterfell? Like, how is this yeah. your knife? And Littlefinger says, well, it was mine until I lost it in a bet on Joffrey's birthday. They had, like, a tournament or whatever. And he's like, I lost it in a bet. And Catelyn was like, who did you lose it in a bet to? And it's dun 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 Tyrion! Tyrion's knife! No, it is not. (laughs) It is not Tyrion. Nope, 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 nope. I do not believe it that for uh, not a second. I'm like, no, Jamie and Cersei are absolutely framing this guy. There's no way, no, no, no way, no. (laughs) Not believing it, nope. Not so gonna, who do you think, it. if you don't believe that it's Tyrion, well, I mean, Tyrion had it. I mean, I guess that's At the thing. Point, like, Tyrion wanted it from him. And so who do you think is lying? Like, do you think Littlefinger is lying? Do you think Cersei and Jamie? like, maybe Littlefinger is not lying? And, like, Cersei and Jamie just sort of got their hands on it somehow? And Tyrion right. doesn't know what's gone? Like, what is your theory? I don't think that, for some reason, I don't think Littlefinger's lying about it. You know, I think he's telling her the truth. But I do not for one second think that Tyrion put that 
mad dog movie guy up to (laughs) (laughs) up to going and finishing off the job on little brian there's no way he did it there's absolutely no way you're not there's nothing that you're gonna tell me that's gonna make me believe it unless i see a video (laughs) i don't believe it anyway so i do think that security cam footage (laughs) right so i do think that somehow it left Tyrion's possession. I don't know if Tyrion, because this is the other thing, as we learned earlier, Tyrion and Jamie. Jamie's the only person that Tyrion kind of likes, right? Because he feels like Tyrion treats him like a person. Right. So I really think if Jamie would have asked, hey, buddy, let me borrow your knife, he would have loaned it to, to Jamie. That would not have been a problem, right? Yeah. I don't, you know, like I, I, I think he may have voluntarily handed it over to maybe Jamie or somebody, or they stole, somebody stole it from him and they gave it to Mad Dog Moon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm just saying, I don't. I cannot believe for one second that it's Tyrion. I know that it was taken from his possession. I don't know how. And given to this nut guy to try to finish them off. So we're going to wait and see how that ends, how that goes. But no, it's not. I know it's not. There's no way. You're not going to convince me. So the death toll for these second two chapters was zero. No one else died. We only had two people who died in this segment. So let's recap and help a mother out. In this segment, we met a few new people. So Veon Poole, who is Ned's steward. We met the Three-Eyed Crow. We met Captain Morio Tomitus, I think is how you say it who ferries Catelyn and Roderick to King's Landing. He's like the captain of the ship. We met Littlefinger, a.k.a. Lord Baelish. And we met Lord Varys. And then there were just a couple of people who were mentioned, but we didn't actually meet. Sir Aaron Santagar, who is the master at arms, who Roderick and Catelyn were supposed to be meeting with about the dagger. And again, they brought up Maester Pycelle, who is the King's Landing Maester. Varys tells Catelyn, oh, do you want to have the Maester look at your hand or whatever? And she's like, no. And so they mention that. And so at the end of this segment, everyone's basically in the same places where they were before, except Catelyn, Sir Roderick, Littlefinger, and Varys are actually at King's Landing. Everyone else, Robert, Cersei, Jamie, Joffrey, Ned, Sansa, Arya, etc., are still on their way to King's Landing. They're almost there. They're staying at Sir Derry's place that's like in the trident that's really close so they're almost to king's landing and then benjen john Tyrion, yorn mark all those people are still on the road to the wall and bran rob rakan etc gray wolf kid are all still at winterfell and so that's it and the death toll for this whole segment was two no one super important died but we did see the deaths of sansa's direwolf lady and micah the butcher's boy and they were both really sad even though they weren't super important characters and let's just on a another observatory note nymeria still has not been found that's true she's still <laughs> out uh, and about to be showing up later on i'm sure in a that kind of a she'll moment. just come in and like Woo! <laughs> i can't wait for that but she i is know still she, out there i know and she's gonna show up right at a good time when we need her so let's just make a little little note, little note nymeria is missing but not dead gone but not forgotten <laughs> <laughs> that's right 
And so that is our show. Listen next time as we discuss John 3 and Ned 4. They're two kind of long chapters and there's a lot that happens in them. So we'll only do two chapters next time. And you can catch us every Friday on iTunes, Google Play, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and TubbyandCoos.com. If you like our show, please consider leaving a review on iTunes or rating. It really helps us to spread the word. And when you're sitting around discussing Game of Thrones with your friends, just mention that there's this podcast that they should listen to and talk us up. And you can find a recap of this week's podcast at www.tubbyandcoos.com slash podcast. You can also follow the bookstore on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at tubbyandcoos spelled out. To keep up with all of our work, hit us up and let us know what you think as you read or listen along. We'd love to hear from you, but of course, as always, no spoilers. Mom has no idea what's coming and we'd like to keep it that way. I'm Candace Huber. And I'm the mom. And now Mom's Watch has ended.